Entering the 2020s, the assumption was made that the Ohio State Buckeyes would continue their reign over the Big Ten Conference. They had a level of athleticism and talent that was foreign to most Big Ten teams. They had ruled the conference with an iron fist for so long, with only Penn State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin occasionally interrupting Ohio State's flow of dominance, that it was a foreign concept in and of itself for another team to take the reins of dominance from Ohio State and use it for their own purposes. And looking at it from the Big Ten West point of view, it was assumed that Wisconsin was going to be the program coming out of the West to challenge Ohio State more often than not, because at the time we thought they had the best coach, and they had the best talent, and they were the most consistent program in terms of dominance from a West Division standpoint, like Ohio State was in the East. But things change, and predicting the long-term future is essentially betting against God. And now this matchup, Iowa and Michigan, will have occurred twice in the past three seasons, once in 2021, and again in 2023. And in 2022, Iowa was one win away, a win over Nebraska, rather, away from making this thrice in three seasons. That's right, one win over a Nebraska team with a losing record in 2022, and Michigan and Iowa would have also matched up in Indianapolis in 2022. The Wolverines have won the East and beaten Ohio State three times, and they are now the more physical program than Ohio State. They are the deeper program than Ohio State. They are better coached than Ohio State, and they are catching up in terms of athleticism to Ohio State. They are one of the best developmental programs in the country. And you could argue the same for Iowa. Offensively, they are very inept. But their special teams unit, coached by LeVar Woods, is one of the best in the country. And their defense, coached by Phil Parker, is also one of the best. And when you take into account that Iowa is exclusively made up of three stars, Michigan has a lot of three stars and four stars. They're more talented than Iowa. And you factor the talent disparity in, you gain a lot of respect for what Kirk Ferentz and his staff has done at Iowa in the same way that you would respect Jim Harbaugh and what his staff has done for Michigan. This could be Michigan's third consecutive Big Ten championship and college football playoff appearance. But with how many one-loss or undefeated conference championship contenders are left, if Iowa is to pull off an upset, they would win the Big Ten for the first time since 2004, appear in a New Year's Six Bowl for the first time since 2015, and Michigan would probably be knocked out of the college football playoff conversation, suffering one of the worst losses possible in championship week. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and Michigan made it to Indy. Out of all the incorrect predictions I have made this season, I was dead right about the hierarchy in the Big Ten East. Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Penn State 3. And all of these teams are great teams. They are near elite teams. I'd say Ohio State is even an elite team. But Michigan proved to be the best of the best. In the case of Iowa, I was wrong. I thought that Luke Fickle would take what Paul Christ had left him and use some incoming transfers and a revolutionary elite staff to bring the Badgers back to Indy. Well, that didn't work out. And it was the more consistent program 
rather than the program with the highest ceiling, who's representing the Big Ten West in Indianapolis. For Kirk Ferentz, his son Brian Ferentz will no longer be the offensive coordinator after this season, so I expect this team to play their hearts out. They've been winning in spite of their injuries, and their defense, much like Michigan's, is great. So I cannot wait to see a Big Ten battle in Indianapolis. Please subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I release more college football and Big Ten football content. I'm also going to be previewing the Pac-12 championship game today, and I'll have my friend Marcus Maselli on a live show talking about the championship games, college football playoff, and previewing the ACC championship game, as that's his area of expertise, tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I will try and get to the SEC and also Big 12 championship games, although those videos might be shorter than this one in the Pac-12 championship game. Like the video as well. Comment your analysis, preview, prediction, and thoughts down in the comment section below. You likely see something that I don't see. So I would love to hear your insights on Michigan versus Iowa. And finally, if you want to support the channel but gain some insider access to bonus content, you can check out my Patreon page via the link in the description or the link in the pinned comment. There have been some hiccups with Patreon content. Uh, just some unplanned things occurred, but it is what it is. And I always appreciate your support and more consistent content on Patreon will be up as soon as possible. These teams are a combined 22-2 and two meeting up here. Iowa is nearly, nearly a top 15 team. They're 16th in the most recent college football playoff rankings. Michigan is number two. Michigan, of course, is a heavy favorite. The Big Ten West has never beaten the Big Ten East team in Indianapolis. And the closest they came to do so was in 2015 between an undefeated Iowa and an 11-1 Michigan State. And perhaps in 2016, when Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, and that miracle of a 2016 Penn State team beat Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team that didn't have Monte Ball. That was a they had Corey Clement at running back and Alex Hornibrook at quarterback. I think Alex Hornibrook was injured in that game, so backup Bart Houston had to come in and play for the Wisconsin Badgers. But outside of those games. The Big Ten Championship game typically is not a competitive matchup. It's a matchup where the West team is used as a sounding board, as a testing ground, more so as a nuclear testing ground for the Big Ten East team to boost up their resume, to rest some of their starters, if applicable, and to gain some confidence heading into either their New Year's Six Bowl or, more hopefully, college football playoff appearance with the quest of winning a national championship for the Big Ten Conference, which the Big Ten has not won a national championship since the inaugural college football playoff in 2014, when Ohio State got in as the four seed, despite some thinking Baylor or TCU deserved that spot, and Ohio State went on to beat number one seed Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, and then they beat Oregon, who dominated Florida State in the Rose Bowl, but came up just short I say just short because that game was more competitive than the 42-20 final score indicated, but Oregon came up short against that Ohio State team in the first-ever college football playoff national championship game. 
Both of these teams are confident in their identity. Michigan likes to run the football, even though they're not as successful as they were a season ago. Iowa thinks that punting is winning, and they love playing tough, tough defense. In this video, I'm mainly going to talk about Michigan. I will touch on Iowa, of course, as I'm previewing this game and giving a prediction. But Michigan's the main focus here, because this will be Michigan's if they win, and potentially even if they lose, third crack at the college football playoff, getting blown out by Georgia in the Orange Bowl in 2021 and being humiliated by TCU in 2022, a team that Michigan should have blown out, but instead TCU found a way to win. Great staff that year and a very experienced TCU team, and Michigan came up short. 51 to 45 short to be precise against TCU who then proceeded to get whipped by Georgia 65 to 7 in the 2022 college football playoff national championship game. Michigan in all likelihood because they're favored to win and in some cases even if they lose they could get in. Michigan has got their third crack at winning the national championship and the odds suggest that the winner of the Pac-12 championship game is a lock. Georgia, if they win, is a lock. Florida State, if they win, is a lock. Washington, if they win, is definitely a lock. And with how the committee's been ranking Oregon, I would assume that an Oregon win means that they are in. Texas is another good team. Alabama is a team that's been on the rise. Ohio State is sitting there very comfortable at number six. They may not even need every one-loss champion or potential champion to lose. They may get in over a 12-1 and Texas, or maybe they get in over a 13-0 and Florida State, although I think that's very doubtful. I think Florida State is a lock to reach the college football playoff if they beat Louisville. But there are a lot of teams that can still have a chance to reach the college football playoff and play for a national championship. So Michigan needs a win in this game. But do you think that Michigan can win the national championship? Do you think they're capable of that? Or do you think that they can't get past the semifinal or the New Year's Six Bowl? Harbaugh has only won one bowl game, which is pretty shameful, and that is definitely not something of his to brag about or to be proud of. Or do you think they can? Do you think that this Michigan team is experienced, physical, tough, and athletic enough to win it all? Let me know down in the comments section below. I think they can win it all. And the Michigan Wolverines have been, in my opinion, the best team in college football for the entire season. Maybe if you break it down on a week-by-week basis, there are definitely weeks where other teams have been better than Michigan, but I think Michigan has been the most consistently dominant team in college football along with Oregon for this entire season. Michigan's ranked number two in FPI. Iowa's ranked 38th. The Hawkeyes are 10-2. and two. Michigan is 12-0. and oh. The Vegas line is 23, 22, 21 in there. At one point it was 23. That was last night when I made this edit. It's dropped all the way down to 21 and a half. I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe it was announced that some players will not be playing in this game, the line opened up at Michigan, minus 22. So Michigan is a three-touchdown favorite here. 
And the over-under in this game is 35.5. So basically what Vegas is indicating is that Michigan will win 35-13 to 13 about. I'd be hard-pressed to see myself believing that Iowa could score 13 points on average against a defense that has looked like the best or one of the best defenses in the country, but I digress. This game will be played in Lucas Oil Stadium. The Wolverines are given a 92.6% chance to win per ESPN's FPI. About 440 of you picked Iowa, 17% of my audience that voted in my community section. 83% of you, about 2,160 people, picked Michigan to win. For Iowa, their only chance of winning is forcing turnovers and having the best offensive performance of the entire season that they've had. Iowa can run the ball decently. They can control clock if they get drives going, and Deacon Hill has improved over his past few matchups. But Iowa's offense is one of the least productive offenses in all of college football. I think they'd have to rely on forcing several turnovers, having superior special teams play, and getting in Michigan's head in order to win this game. There are not too many favorable matchups to exploit. Iowa is better at defending the pass than they are at defending the run, and Michigan would prefer to run the football, even if from a yards per play and completion percentage and looking at other statistics, Michigan might have a more efficient passing offense than they do rushing offense. The Wolverines will want to pound the rock. And their offensive line played one of their better games of the season against Ohio State, a team that has a stout defense, a defense that, heck, Ohio State might have a better defense this season, or at least a better defense factoring in Iowa's injuries than the Hawkeyes do. Michigan will definitely be facing an inferior offense. They might even be facing an inferior defense compared to what they faced against Ohio State. This could be an emotional letdown spot, though, for the Wolverines, and Iowa has a far better special teams unit than Ohio State does. But for Michigan, the key to winning this game is control clock, make sure that you run a balanced attack against this Iowa defense because a Phil Parker defense will not put up with offenses that are one-dimensional, do not get too cute defensively, and don't let Iowa gain confidence that they can drive down the field. So in that regard, I would say be aggressive defensively, pressure Deacon Hill, because I don't think that Iowa can make those clutch throws under pressure or power forward in the run game against bear formation or a blitz designed to shut down the run to consistently drive down the field even if you are trying hard. If Michigan tries hard on defense and they're aggressive, I think they can force several three and outs. I think they can do to Iowa what Penn State did to them. And with Michigan having a far superior offense, that could become very ugly rather quickly. But Michigan's goal here isn't just to win. Winning 100 to nothing would be very nice, but it wouldn't be worth it at the sacrifice of injuries, potentially, for a quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, running back. Iowa's a physical team. Iowa is a team that, because they tackle hard, they hit hard, and they, they play to win, even if it doesn't seem like they do, they think they're playing to win, they can injure you. Remember that game against Penn State in 2021 when Penn State players were dropping like flies because even though Penn State had more talent and Penn State was schematically better, at least offensively, 
Iowa was just that much tougher of a team, so they bullied Penn State off the field with all of those injuries. And against Michigan in 21, in 22, when they matched up in the regular season, Iowa was able to test Michigan at times in terms of forcing Michigan to punt and get them off the field or forcing some turnovers or in 2022 nearly having somewhat of a potential comeback that was stopped due to Spencer Petras throwing a short pass. Michigan loves to play soft zone, soft coverage. They like to play a bend but don't break defense in the same way that Ohio State does. The difference is I think Michigan's better at making adjustments and Michigan has a better defensive line, so their bend-but-don't-break can be quickly switched into an aggressive, pursuing defense that forces you to get off the field quickly. But Iowa's often taken advantage of Michigan's soft zone with their tight ends. They don't have healthy tight ends in this game. They have Addison Ostranga, but Eric All, who still leads the team in receiving yards, has been injured for five or six games, and Luke Lachey was injured even earlier. For the Hawkeyes. So Michigan wants to stay healthy. They do not want to become Iowa, where they are injured and down several of their best players. You don't want J.J. McCarthy to get hurt. You do not want Blake Corum to get hurt. He leads the nation in rushing touchdowns with 22. And in this game, he will likely break 1,000 rushing yards. He has 976 rushing yards. You don't want to have Roman Wilson get hurt. If he is still a little dinged up, you probably want to sit him or use him lightly, because you can frankly beat Iowa, in my mind, without Roman Wilson. With Will Johnson, I would say rest him. I don't think Iowa has anyone that could match up with your three-deep cornerback room. I don't. Iowa has struggled at wide receiver. They've struggled at tight end. For Michigan, don't play it so safe where you give Iowa confidence that they're in this game, but don't be hell-bent on winning 70 to nothing. Don't do it. And even if Michigan isn't dedicated to blowing out Iowa, they still could. Michigan is one of the best teams in the country. I think this is the best Michigan team since 1997. I know Mike Valenti, I say this because I listen to him often, thinks that this team isn't as good as last year's team. But I think that is a product of the clock rule. So Michigan uses more clock, therefore they have less drives, they have less scoring opportunities. And Michigan has played an Ohio State team and a Penn State team that have better defenses than they did last year. So Michigan's offense isn't scoring as many points per game as they did last year, but you watch Michigan's offense play, and they are more efficient. And you watch Michigan's defense play, and they are a lot better at getting people off the field quickly and of keeping opponents out of the red zone compared to last season. Ohio State, whether we like to believe it or not, still has one of the better offenses in the country. It's not an elite offense, but it has a high ceiling, and I'd say it's a top 15, top 10 offense right now. Ohio State's is nationally. It's not top five. It's certainly not number one, but top 15, top 10, I'd say top 10 more so with their talent is impressive. So I believe in this Michigan team. I do. And I believed in last year's Michigan team, but not to the degree of this year's, because this year's team, they've regressed at offensive line, but they've improved at tight end, wide receiver, quarterback. They've stayed about the same, maybe decreased a little at running back, and they've improved everywhere. And I'm not kidding you when I say that, literally everywhere on the defensive front. And special teams is better than advertised. This Michigan team is a heavy favorite, and understandably so. 
Iowa does have some advantages. They're defensively stout. They're well-coached. They're very old-school. Michigan is... They're not the most modern team in the country by any stretch of the imagination, but Michigan is the more modern team compared to Iowa. Michigan recruits better. I think they develop better. And I think outside of linebacker and special teams, Michigan's better than Iowa by quite a fair margin in every category. Linebacker, I'd say, is up for debate. For special teams, I would decisively go Iowa. Iowa's had to use their special teams unit a lot more frequently than Michigan has, and Michigan at times has looked pretty porous on special teams, especially in the return game, players constantly running into their returner, Jake Thaw, or Michigan has at times muffed punts or muffed kickoffs. Michigan special teams unit, I think, is their worst, or one of their worst, in the Jim Harbaugh era, certainly their worst over the past three seasons. Iowa, why I gave them the linebacker position is Tommy Eichenberg, I think, was named the Big Ten linebacker of the year. He was. I think that honor should have gone to Jay Higgins of Iowa. Jay Higgins has 141 tackles. He has one sack, three passes defended, an interception, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Nick Jackson is Iowa's second leader. It's their second place in total tackles. It's a weird way of phrasing that. My apologies. With 91. He has four sacks, a pass defended, and four forced fumbles. This Iowa linebacker room is deep. And there's other players like Kyler Fisher, Carson Sharar, and some backups that are solid, to say the least. But Jay Higgins, Nick Jackson, those are great players for Iowa. They tackle well. They're good in coverage. They can get to the quarterback. Iowa is disciplined. They're extremely disciplined defensively. And at defensive line and defensive back, they suffered a suspension on the defensive line. I forget the name of the player. My apologies. And Cooper DeGene is sadly out for the season due to injury. But their defense is still one of the best in the country. They're number one in opponent points per play. Iowa is, and I think now they're number one in opponent yards per point as well. It's extremely tough to drive on Iowa and their defense, and Iowa's defense is on the field for most of the game against opponents. Iowa's offense, I'd be genuinely shocked. Yeah, they don't have more than 30 30 minutes of possession. They only have 28 minutes and 56 seconds of possession per game on average. On average, their offense is on the field less than their defenses. And in games against Penn State, for example, where Iowa got shut out in a 0-31 to loss, Iowa's defense was on the field for 45 minutes and 27 seconds. This defense is tough. Iowa's defense in total this season, has registered 22 sacks and 823 total tackles. They have 47 passes defended, 10 interceptions, and 8 forced fumbles. This is a stout, stout defense. A defense that is near perfection in terms of fundamental football. And on special teams, Iowa's kicker, Drew Stevens, he has struggled at times this season, missed an extra point, He's only making 69.2% of his field goals. 
Torrey Taylor is still an elite punter, and Drew Stevens was great for most of this season. Against Illinois and against Nebraska, though, there were some blocked field goals. And I don't know exactly what's up with Drew Stevens, but Marshall Meter, if he's going to be the starting place kicker in this game, I'm confident he will do well, as he had a field goal attempt of 38 yards that he knocked down the middle to beat Nebraska last week to win the Heroes Trophy, which helped move Iowa on to 10-2. and And even if they lost that game, Iowa had clinched the Big Ten West Division by beating Illinois the week prior in Week 12. For Michigan, they have the better staff. Jim Harbaugh will be back on the sidelines after Sharon Moore took over for games against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. So Harbaugh will be back on the sidelines coaching in this game. That's a boost for Michigan. I think his suspension had a greater effect on the team, and more specifically, J.J. McCarthy, than I expected, but I stood by the video that I released before the Penn State game saying that it wasn't an excuse. His suspension, his absence from the sidelines for one day during the games that Michigan was playing was not an excuse for Michigan to lose and that Michigan had no business losing to any of the teams they had to face, whether it was Penn State, Maryland, or Ohio State. And I was correct in that. In a sense, shockingly enough, given how close the Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State games were by the final score. But I expect that Harbaugh returning will help this team improve, at least by a little bit. Michigan obviously has the better quarterback play. The Wolverines average a 174.3 passer rating. Iowa, meanwhile, averages a 95.9 passer rating. J.J. McCarthy is 2,483 passing yards. He completes 74.3% of his passes. He has 19 passing touchdowns, four interceptions, a 176.8 passer rating. J.J. McCarthy is third in quarterback efficiency with a 90.8 QBR. And Deacon Hill only has 976 passing yards. He completes 48.3% of his passes, five passing touchdowns, six interceptions, a 91.3 passer rating, and he has a 22.4 QBR, which is 127th nationally. Deacon Hill's an awful, awful quarterback. Michigan has a decisive advantage at staff, quarterback, I think at tight end and wide receiver. They have a decisive advantage, and I will just show that by the fact that Iowa only has 1,481 receiving yards, and their leading receiver, Eric All, has been injured for five or six weeks and Iowa only has nine receiving touchdowns. Roman Wilson, meanwhile, has more receiving touchdowns than all of Iowa's receivers combined with 11, and Michigan has 2,697 receiving yards, averaging 12.8 yards per reception. Iowa only averages 10.4 yards per reception. Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, and Colston Loveland have over 500 receiving yards each. Cornelius Johnson has stepped up in the past few games for Michigan, he led the team in receiving yards against Penn State. Colston Loveland led the team in receiving yards against Ohio State, where he was a constant mismatch. And Roman Wilson having over 10 receiving touchdowns shows how reliable of a target he is. Where these teams are close on offense is the ground game. Michigan has rushed for 2,037 yards, averaging 4.4 yards per carry. And they have 33, I believe, rushing touchdowns. The Wolverines ran the ball for 5.2 yards per carry and 3,000 yards in 2021 with 39 rushing touchdowns. And in 2022, 
Michigan ran the ball for 3,345 yards and had 41 rushing touchdowns. This season, Michigan has ran the ball for, again, 2,037 rushing yards, averaging 4.4 yards per carry, and they have 33 rushing touchdowns. This Michigan rushing attack is identical, in my mind, to the 2021 rushing attack, minus the explosive plays. The same consistent three, four, five-yard battering ram carries are identical to the 2021 unit. The problem is Michigan doesn't have explosive runs. They don't generate those type of runs this season. This is a total, pure power run game. There's no explosiveness to it, but... Even with the weakness there, they find ways to convert fourth and short, third and short, much like they did last season and in 2021, because they still have an interior presence that's in a, that's playing at an elite level with Drake Nugent, Zach Zinner, Trevor Keegan, and likely Carson Barnhart now substituting in for an injured Zach Zinner. Hopefully he recovers. Tackle has been an area of concern for Michigan all season. They've only given up 14 sacks, though, in 12 games. The Wolverines gave up 17 sacks in 2022 in 13 games, and 14 sacks in 14 games, or, yeah, in 2021. So this offensive line might be Michigan's worst in the past three seasons, or it could be right in the middle between the 21 and 2022 offensive lines. I think if Michigan had their 2022 offensive line this season, it would be an end of discussion for who was the best team in the country. We'd have to see if they fulfilled that. But I think this Michigan team, with last year's offensive line and with Olu Oluwatimi, would be deadly. Michigan would be averaging around five yards per carry right now. They'd have a few extra hundred rushing yards. The passing attack, I think, consequentially, especially in play action, would be better. But that's an area where Michigan and Iowa are comparable because the Iowa Hawkeyes are averaging 3.5 yards per carry, but they have 1,487 rushing yards, 11 rushing touchdowns, and their leader, LaShawn Williams, has 779 rushing yards. He's averaging 5 yards per carry. He only has one rushing touchdown that he gained against Wisconsin. He is their more consistent running back. Caleb Johnson, who last year had a breakout season, He has 415 rushing yards. He's averaging four yards per carry, but he has three rushing touchdowns. He is more of their home run hitting back. LaShawn Williams is more of a power back that's consistent and can get more carries per game. He's also been their healthier running back. Jason Patterson, Kamari Moulton, Terrell Washington Jr. Iowa does have a deep running back room. Michigan does too. Kalel Mullings, Benjamin Hall, Donovan Edwards, Really, Donovan Edwards getting a low amount of yards per carry holds down the team average because he has over 105 carries, but he's only averaging 3.4 yards per carry. The staff has not given up on him, sometimes to the expense of the rushing attack, but Edwards has played better games against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State than he did at the beginning of the season, so he's probably going to continue to improve as the year goes on. But I like Iowa's rushing attack, and I think if they bring in the right offensive coordinator, this could be a team with a scary rushing attack next season. The Iowa Hawkeyes could have that. Michigan's offensive line and defensive line is decisively better. Defensive back, if Cooper DeGene was healthy, there could be debate there. But with him sadly being out, even if Will Johnson is out, Michigan just has that much better depth than Iowa does at every position due to recruiting 
and development and also Michigan's use of name, image, and likeness so that they can offer, essentially give scholarships to walk-ons through that. This Michigan team is deep, full of seniors, juniors, future NFL players, and I can't wait to see how this scheme turns out. I'm assuming that Michigan will have a decisive advantage, and that determines the players to watch, in my mind. For Michigan, it's Cornelius Johnson, as I imagine that Roman Wilson will be rested for a good amount of this game, just because I don't believe he was at 100% versus Ohio State. I don't think he is right now. And since he's their number one threat, you have to be cautious about him. And when he is on the field, I think Iowa is going to try and pay special attention to him, which opens up the lane for Cornelius Johnson, who has a habit of appearing in big games. He does. Did it against Ohio State in 2022, and he's done it some other times in both 2021, where again, he had a actually a deep pass caught against Ohio State. And this season, he hasn't appeared in big games, but he has 500 receiving yards. And that's pretty good for a Michigan team that prefers to run the football. I look for him in this game to potentially get a deep pass from J.J. McCarthy. This Michigan team has not been explosive, and I wonder if they're going to try and be explosive against this Iowa defense. If they're going to try and test them, of course, on the boundary and in the trenches, which Michigan does to everyone, but maybe they try and test them deep and see if Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson or certainly Colston Loveland can get some matchup advantages against Iowa's linebackers and defensive backs. For Iowa, LaShawn Williams is my player to watch. And the simple reason for that is he's their most consistent running back. And if Iowa's offensive line can play a great game and Iowa can stubbornly run the football, rest their defense, get close to the red zone and kick a few field goals or maybe score a touchdown along with their defense getting some turnovers, this could be a game. But the offense has to do something if Iowa wants to win, and their most likely outlet for scoring points is going to be their most consistent player. And that's LaShawn Williams, who stepped up at the beginning of the season after Patterson and Caleb Johnson went down with injury, basically won Iowa that game over Wisconsin on the road, which helped propel them into the leading spot for being the Big Ten West champions. And now here Iowa is. So, those are my two main players to watch. I would also look out for, Cor- not Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, Colston Loveland is who I meant to say, offensively for Michigan. Iowa is fundamental. They're sound. They're physical. What they are not outside of secondary is quick. So Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum, I don't expect J.J. McCarthy to be doing much scrambling The staff has tried to use his rushing attack less. I'd look out for Edwards and Corum to maybe rip off a big run as well. And for Iowa, Caleb Johnson can potentially rip off a big run. Addison Ostrenga, they're now starting tight end. It's two receiving touchdowns, 128 receiving yards on 22 receptions. He is second in the team in receptions, only behind Nico Regani. Ostrenga only averages 5.8 yards per reception. Regani only averages 8.7 I'd look out for Estrenga to maybe convert some short downs for Iowa, maybe a third and short, third and medium, second and short, second and medium. And Caleb Brown has over 100 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown on 14 receptions. He played 
for Ohio State for a season. And in the month of November, that's where he has all of his receiving yards. All 142 of his receiving yards and his lone receiving touchdown came in November against Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. So he is coming on and he's improving. He's a sophomore, 5'10", 197 pounds. He's easily Iowa's best receiver, or at least the receiver with the highest potential. So also look out for him defensively. Look out for Sebastian Castro, who right now leads the team in interceptions with three, and also is second in the team in passes defended with seven. He also has 52 total tackles, one forced fumble, and he returned one of his interceptions for six, the only Iowa pick six of the season. My pick for this game, and I don't know if it's too extreme, but Michigan 45, Iowa 3. Michigan will run away with this matchup. They'll rush for over 200 yards. I think McCarthy will rest after the third quarter. And the only way Iowa can keep this close is if Michigan gives it to them. Really. It's not an exaggeration either because... We've watched Iowa all season. Are they going to move on this defense? Well, maybe for a few drives at best, but no, not really. And you should never overlook any team, and I'm not saying that here, and I will never say that. But Iowa's chances to win this game with matchups, with talent, with injuries, and the fact that Michigan, frankly, actually has more to play for. They lose this game, they could easily be out of the college football playoff conversation. For Iowa, they've already fulfilled their goals in my mind, which is winning the West. Of course, you want to win the Big Ten and reach New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know if that is in Kirk Ferentz's mind because they haven't won the Big Ten in over a decade, really close to two decades now. They haven't reached New Year's Six Bowl since 2015, And I don't think Iowa has the the same expectations that Michigan does. And 45-3 might be extreme, but Penn State won 31-0. And this Michigan defense, I think, is more consistent than Penn State's defense. It does not have the same upside in pass rush. They don't have the same ability to force turnovers, but I think they have a higher upside in, I'd say, coverage. And I'd say tackling, I think they're better. And I think Michigan's deeper than Penn State on defense. And they're better in every way compared to Penn State offensively. I think that Michigan would be able to get big plays against Iowa after wearing them down. I think Michigan will have greater success rushing the ball on Iowa than Penn State did. And all of these things come together in, I think, a game that resembles 2021 in a lot of ways, except it will be more consistent for Michigan. In 2021, Michigan came out, they jumped out to an early 14-0 lead, and then the game was essentially dead even until the third quarter when Michigan eventually wore them down. I think this game will be similar in terms of final score. Michigan won that game 42-3. I think Michigan will win this game 45-3. I think that Michigan will score most of these points in the initial half or the initial three quarters. I think it'll take longer than a quarter for them to break Iowa's defense. But then in the fourth quarter, I think that Michigan will go pretty radio silent and they will rest all of their starters, even some of their second stringers, and they will begin to go into full-on business trip mode and want to get out of there, hoist up the Big Ten championship trophy, which will be their third consecutive. And then Michigan will be a lock to reach the college football playoff at 13-0, barring a meteorite hitting Earth. It's the same thing for any team going 13-0. If you go 13-0, 
if you're a Power 5 school, which the teams who are capable of doing that are Florida State, Washington, Michigan, and Georgia, you're a lock. If all of the undefeated teams win, then the college football playoff will feature, in all likelihood, four. You heard that right. Four 13-0 teams. Four undefeated teams. Not for the first time, because there were four undefeated teams. No, there actually weren't. It would be four undefeated teams for the first time in the history of the college football playoff. And how beautiful would that be? Four undefeated teams with a chance to go 15-0. Not an equal chance for every team, but with a chance for all those teams to go 15-0 in the final year of the four-team college football playoff. Iowa football is outmatched, and their defense won't be able to hold up. They can keep this close with turnovers and an offensive performance that would be their best of the season. But Michigan's too good. Michigan will wear this team down, and with Harbaugh back, there will be that extra fire, I think. This team was galvanized in a way that they were tough as nails and facing adversity head-on in their games against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State, but there were some errors in those matchups, and some chalk that all up to Stallions being suspended. I don't necessarily do that, because I think that Ohio State matched up better with Michigan this season than they have in the prior two seasons, and I said that. Ohio State and Michigan were equal in schematic advantage and mostly equal in terms of physical advantage this season. That wasn't the case for the past two years. That's why Ohio State played Michigan closer and had a chance to win the game driving down the field even with a worse quarterback, because they had that much better of a defense, and that's that's really what that is, is Ohio State had a defense that wasn't going to allow big plays because they were designed to stop big plays. And against Penn State, Michigan turtled and it was the right move. And against Maryland, well, that's the most concerning game. I don't think Michigan is a team that is incapable of dominance without their scouting wizard. I don't think that. Maybe this game will prove me wrong, though. And Michigan certainly has things to clean up, like tackle. And Zach Zinner's injury will hurt. And Will Johnson's injury, that has to be nurtured because he will be needed if Michigan wants to win a national championship. But Jim Harbaugh's back. This will be a big win. He will want to win this game as he'll be back on the sidelines and he will want to hoist up that Big Ten championship game trophy. I would be surprised if Iowa wins, but given how Appalachian State beat my team, given the other times where Michigan has just fallen flat on its face, if I was a Michigan fan, or not if I was a Michigan fan, but being a Michigan fan, part of me wouldn't, I mean, I don't know. I still have this feeling of doubt that I don't think will be cleared, potentially ever, also because I'm a pessimist, but winning a national championship would help. Michigan 45, Iowa 3 is my final score prediction for this game. Thank you all for watching this video. Please remember to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and comment your thoughts on this video down below. I want to give a special shout out to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for being Heisman patrons in the month of November. I want to give a shout-out to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverter for being All-American patrons in the month of November. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Steele, Chris Lane, Awesome Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being All-Conference patrons in the month of November. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.